Jazz Heads Radio, brought to you in conjunction with Wakefield Jazz, a lovely little jazz club in Yorkshire. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 32 of Jazz Heads. In the background, playing this in today, we've got Keep On Grind by Dale Storr, and we've got a show full of New Orleans piano for you. From the likes of Jules Holland, James Booker, and more from Dale Storr himself. Dale joined us at uh, Wakefield Jazz recently, and he was fabulous. What a great musician, brilliant piano player, full of energy. What an understanding of the repertoire of the music. Hugely respected in his field now as well. So you can see why he is known as the UK's leading New Orleans piano player. We chatted a lot on the night, and what, one thing that came, really came across was how sort of open and honest he was myself in the interview and also with the audience when he's playing. He's got some fascinating stories about other people, other musicians, but also about himself. His own journey through the music, I suppose, finding his way, finding his feet. How he managed to sort of keep it all going whilst holding a family down as well. Anyway, enough from me. Here's the rest of Keep On Gwine, and following that, we'll have the interview with Dale Storm. Jules Holland when I was um, about 15 yeah. um, at Lincoln Castle and just a magical summer summer evening and uh, I'd never seen him before, I didn't know anything about the guy but I heard him do a turnaround on the piano yeah. it just blew my mind, it was only a yeah. turnaround, it was only just a few chords Were you playing the piano already at that yeah, point? You were yeah, sort of but into I, I, I was really lost for direction, I always knew right. that I liked blues and R&B type stuff um, What were you doing? Were you more classically trained no, at that point no, or uh, I mean I had formal lessons when I was a kid from like six years old yeah. until about 11 uh, and I remember um, um, well actually I remember being chastised for playing a piece right <laughs> if that, because I had the music in front of me sheet music and uh, and I used to 
I'd get the piece that uh, the, the teacher wanted me to play and we'd go through it and then I'd get home and I'd learn it as quickly as possible and then uh, go back for him the next week and play it and then we move on and it yeah. gets ticked and yeah. then uh, but really I just used to try to memorise it and get it out of the way so I could listen to some of my parents' record collection which was early rhythm and blues and try and learn that by ear, you see. Mm. Uh, but this one uh, time when I went back, um, uh, I was playing the piece and he closed the book but I was only like 10 years old. Uh, so I didn't know if it was a test. I remember panicking, that fear. So I just carried on playing it and then he's, he went nuts and said, I knew you wasn't looking at the music and I said why did I play it wrong uh, and he said no that's not the point and I was like hang on what so you've just chastised me for playing it right <laughs> yeah what was the mistake uh, but he wanted right. me to keep my eye on the page you see yeah um, and that kind of made me fall out with lessons for a while it really dented my confidence yeah, it would and, do. Uh, yeah. but my so um, so I stopped having lessons uh, with that guy shortly after um, but I didn't stop learning I, I just kind of carried on playing my own stuff uh, and that's for, for those years my cousin was a guitar player uh, and he was 10 years older than me so he, he used to feed lots of stuff down to me but of course it Great. was all guitar play, mm. guitarist stuff um, I mean I did discover people like Chet Atkins which was phenomenal um, hybrid of styles uh, on acoustic guitar but uh, from my own ends I was I was listening to all sorts of things uh, and then thinking, well, where does a keyboard player fit into a band situation? Mm. And uh, I don't want to play synth. I like Hammond organ, but my, my first love has always been the piano. Mm. And um, um, I saw Jules do something on a, on a Channel, Channel 4 show. I mean, it wasn't the tube because I came after that, but it might have been some repeats or something. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and I know that he was championing at that time a guy called Dr. John. And uh, then when I finally got to, uh, to see Jules um, at Lincoln Castle, he, like I said, he played this turnaround, which now I realise is a traditional, just a traditional bog standard turnaround. But it was the way that he voiced it, made it, it was directly lifted from all the New Orleans pianists. Right. And um, so I immediately the next day went and ordered a, an album from Jules Holland. And he had a new one out at the time called... Uh, the A to Z Geographer's Guide to the Piano. Oh, great. And, um, Don't know that one. Um, uh, but in actual fact, it was it was a piece, the, the track I'd chosen from Jules, because he was such a, a massive influence to me at that time, I thought, well, I remember staring up at him on stage and thinking, wow, that's it, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And in actual fact, at that time, he didn't have the Rhythm and Blues Orchestra. It was Jules on piano, his brother on organ, mm -hmm. he had a bass player, uh, drums, guitar, and he only had like three or four brass. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you could, it was really focused on the piano, you see, mm -hmm. whereas now, obviously, it's much more of a big band show, isn't it? Sure. And, um, um, and it was like that for several years at that time. I used to follow him around, and um, he released a live album, and it was one of the tracks that I... I used to love that he played live was called Dr. Jazz uh, not the Dr. Jazz that we all know but the he, he wrote one called Dr. Jazz and it was all to do with his time spent in New Orleans when he first went mm -hmm. out there so it's full of New Orleans turnarounds it's full of Dixieland changes uh, and more importantly for me it was Jules demonstrating his ability and love of New Orleans thank you very much yes. Beautiful tonight, I've noticed that. 
when did you um, decide that you wanted to do piano playing as a career, as a performer? As a I would say to the second pick, yeah. Uh, I wish somebody would have talked me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I see. Yeah, yeah but uh, I, as far back as I can remember, I used to, um, we used to have a, a venue over the road from us that you could go to on a Saturday night and see bands. Yeah. Uh, like I said, my cousin was a guitarist in a band, and uh, I I always just wanted to perform. Although uh, it's not me at all to to be wanting to be centre stage. I'm not like that. But it's often the way, though, isn't it? With with sort I of artists, so, yeah. they're, they're often the great ones are the ones who are insular a little bit. Yes. so they, they don't yeah, yeah, want yeah. to. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. but in, in order to play Dr. John, uh, the New Orleans, and all the New Orleans piano tradition, mm. uh, you have to kind of do it on your own, really. Have you studied with anybody? Have you spent time in New Orleans with any um, particular artists, musicians? Not, or no, just, not just really. Just I've become great friends over the last um, four years with uh, a UK-based New Orleans piano player called Diz Watson, Diz mm. Honeybear Watson. Um, and he was tutored by champion Jack Debris, so uh, and he toured with Dr. John in the eighties as well. Great. Uh, and I've become great friends with him. In fact, when Dr. John passed away uh, a few years ago, um, Diz got the job to do the official Dr. John tribute show in London, and he asked me to do it with him. So uh, that was what really an honor. nice thing. Yeah, yeah really nice. Yeah. Probably more recognised now, but when I. St- when I was doing, started doing solo shows, I used to go to gigs and say, has anybody heard of James Booker, James Carroll Booker? They mm-hmm. said, most, most shows, people say no. Or they go, oh, yeah, Green Onions. I go, no, nah, that's, that's Booker T. Jones. Different Booker one. T. Yeah, yeah, different. <laughs> uh, so, um, and for somebody who was just utterly astounding mm. on piano, I was absolutely gobsmacked that no one had heard of him. Right. And, um, you know, Dr. John Allen Toussaint used to say... Um, that uh, he was New Orleans secret, the musician's mu- uh, musician, and uh, yeah. and um, so in terms of you know being underrated, uh, I couldn't think of anybody more so than, yeah. than him. Um, Is there a particular track of his? Yeah, um, the the one that I I chose was the one that had the biggest impact on me when I first heard him. Uh, mm. and it's a piece called "Put Out the Light." It's a really strange one because when you hear it, it's almost like style you'd say (laughs) but a typical booker he goes through at least four songs in one song or four tunes in one tune you know Uh, and just when you think wow he can't do anything else then he does something else and the chords that he plays just tears your heart Mm. straight out like where did that come from and then he goes back to this almost western uh, country type riff you're like what what was that all about? But then the more I've listened to it, the more I'm like, wow, this is something else.
I spoke to my wife about this, and uh, I th I thought about a tune that I did uh, again because it means something because it was the first time that I was going out on my own. I was always, I mean, for years and years and years, I was just a, a sideman, you know, in in bands. Mm. Like uh, I, I worked for a record company down in Warminster, and there would be touring American artists coming over, and it was much cheaper to get you know a band over here than bring an American band over and so I did that for years and uh, and I mean you probably know just living out of a hotel room on tour is just no fun at all and, and the and, novelty and, wears off very yeah, quickly yeah yeah very yeah. and uh, and also uh, most of the time it was music that didn't excite me at mm. all so in the background I was always just wanting to do New Orleans music yeah. and um, um and I had several attempts at trying to break away from that and it, what, one of them was I recorded an EP in 2009 um, uh, and I recorded a couple of, uh, no I recorded Dr John number, a Fats Domino number and three of my own mm -hmm. uh, and one of them uh, is, a, is a number I call Boogie for Tuts and even though it's not strictly a boogie um, it was at the time I, the just the main uh, hook at the beginning and the end of the tune is just a little boogie line that Tuts Washington used to play um, and then uh, I go into like a middle section which is full of like traditional New Orleans Dixieland changes even and uh, uh, and it was stuff that I'd been learning from my teens and then picking up bits along the way and through my 20s and then when I you know when I did that I kind of coupled together an instrumental of my own and called it Boogie for Tuts. Mm. Uh, and it worked out quite nicely, and uh, it was kind of where I was at at that time okay. with my knowledge of New Orleans piano. And so I thought, well, it'd be nice to actually include that one.
um, his gigs and buy his albums. Uh, so support him whatever way you can. And obviously visit wakefieldjazz.org uh, and subscribe to our mailing list to find out what's coming up within Wakefield soon. I'll be back very soon uh, with another Jazz Heads. Catch you then. Bye.